Good evening and welcome to our Bible study and we're going to continue in the book of Job and I'm going to read to you from Job chapter 41, the first 14 verses of Job 41. Can you pull in the Leviathan with a fishhook or tie down his tongue with a rope? Can you put a cord through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he keep begging you for mercy? Will he speak to you with gentle words? Will he make an agreement with you? for you to take him as your slave for life? Can you make a pet of him, like a bird, or put him on a leash for your girls? Will traders barter for him? Will they divide him up among the merchants? Can you fill his hide with harpoons, or his head with fishing spears? If you lay a hand on him, will you remember the struggle and never do it again? Any hope of subduing him is false. The mere sight of him is overpowering. No one is fierce enough to rouse him. Who then is able to stand against me? Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under the heaven belongs to me. I will not fail to speak to his limbs, his strength and his graceful form. Who can strip off his outer coat? Who would approach him with a bridle? Who dares open the doors of his mouth, ringing about with fearsome teeth? Well, let's just pray as we look at those verses together. Our Father, we just thank you for the opportunity we have to come together around your word, and we just lean upon you that you might help our understanding that we will take from this that which you would have us learn, as we do this in the name of Jesus, and we ask it in his precious name. Amen. So we're coming towards the end of the book of Job. Now, before Job can understand what God has to say to him, he needs to know who he, Job, is. This is what the Lord has said to him in verse 38, uh, chapter 38 and verse 2. Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? In other words, Job is the one who has been obscuring God's plans. This is because of his limited understanding of what God's plans involve. And he has made what is really, especially to God, clear water. But Job has made it look like muddy water. And then in chapter 40, verse 1, God said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. In other words, Job is the one who has tried to tell God how to manage things. Now, before Job can understand what God has to say to him, he also needs to know who God is. And in these chapters, Job is beginning to understand that no matter how great he thought God was, and he does know that God is great, but God is fearfully far greater. And I use that word fearfully, deliberately. God is fearfully far greater than Job's previously high expectations of who he thought God was. In Job chapters 38 and 39, Job has been seeing the greatness of God in the natural world. 
you know, the natural world itself is hard to understand. You know, we, we have looked at things that in the previous chapters, you know, that the lion has to kill in order for his cubs to eat. We don't fully understand that. And this is the natural world in which we live. But these things are making Job aware of his own limitations as he admits to God that he is unworthy to have been doing and saying the things that he has been doing and saying. And in Job 40, verse 4 and 5, we read this, and this is what Job said to God. And this is in the middle of the conversation they are having. He said, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. In other words, Job sees himself as being guilty. Guilty as charged. And he says that I have nothing to say in my defense. You notice he's not just saying I have nothing more to say. He's saying I have nothing to say in my defense. And Job will now begin to understand that the superiority of God goes beyond the natural world into the supernatural world. You know, like Job, we have trouble understanding the natural world. So we, we shouldn't be surprised that we struggle even harder to understand the happenings of the supernatural world. But Job 40, verse 6 to 4, the Lord shows Job the power of death and the stranglehold that it has on mankind. He shows him how and why it should be feared and that it is beyond the efforts of a man to control or defeat it. But... And here's the but. As powerful and evil as it is, it is not beyond the Lord's power or the Lord's authority. And the Lord's power and his authority can bring about death's downfall and its complete defeat. And the picture that God drew so that Job would understand this was the beer moth. You know, we shouldn't try to identify this with, with some animal that we know of other than a, the most fearsome, fearsome animal that we can think of. Because this stands for the undefeatable enemy, the undefeatable enemy that is death. And you remember last week we looked at a couple of verses from Corinthians 15 and we said in verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And then in verse 55, we could say, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? So in this chapter, chapter 41, Job is now introduced to the Leviathan who is also to be feared. Now, before we take a look at Job 41, we need to remember that this conversation is between God and a faithful believer. You see, this whole book of Job, while it is for everybody, it is specifically for the believer and specifically for the believer who struggles to understand God's ways, which I think I'm pretty sure includes all of us.
who are believers, all Christians. So remember the conversation between God and a faithful believer, a faithful believer who is suffering, suffering not as punishment for sin, but as one who will show the enemy what it means to be faithful to God in times of hardship, in times of pain, and in times of suffering. And Job doesn't know that. But this is what's happening. And we're seeing uh, a lot of the moments here in our lives as we think about this. We, like Job, might be tempted to say when we watch the news on television, read the papers, hear the discussions that go, are going on amongst world leaders. We might be tempted, like Job, to say, Why, Lord? But you know, we more than likely won't be given an answer to that question. So we have to come to what we do know. What we do know is that these things that are happening remind us of the evil that exists in the world. As we witness the, the devastation that is being brought about right, right in front of our eyes. We know that sin entered the world when mankind turned away from God to follow the words of Satan. And I'm reminded of the words in Jeremiah, which I'm sure you know well. They're found in Jeremiah 17, verse 9. And this is speaking about all of us, every one of us. Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? We know it, but do we understand it? I can't claim to understand all these things. But I know that it has and is being dealt with. Let's go back to Job. Job was a righteous man who suffered. And that brings us to another righteous man who came and suffered, and his name is Jesus. And one thing I do know is, I know why he suffered. And this is one of the things that the prophet Isaiah said about him. Just one verse from Isaiah 53. It's verse 5 for us to consider this evening. As it speaks of Jesus, as Isaiah tells us this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed you know this is the central part of God's plan and it's the part that I do understand it's a part that we can all understand if we think about it and this is what the Lord wants the world to understand and we can only understand it when we see the horrific results of an un of unforgiven sin as they unfold in front of our eyes. And in the words of Jesus, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You know, just as the gospel is important to the non-believer in that it is the road that leads to knowing who we are in the light of who God is, 
And the result being, it will bring us to repentance. Repentance that leads to forgiveness and forgiveness that leads to salvation and salvation that goes beyond this life into an eternity with him. And the gospel remains just as important to the believer as it reminds us that we are sinners, but sinners saved by grace. Sinners who have a loving father who is willing to continue to forgive us as he leads us towards the full benefits of our salvation. A salvation that he has brought about, that he has given us and that he has prepared. And he's prepared for us a place in his house. No matter how hard we are called to suffer in this life, eternity is secured, it's prepared and it's made ready. I'm going to read from John 14 and I know that you will know this verse, maybe off by heart. It's actually two verses, verse 1 and 2 of John 14. Do not let your heart be troubled. These are the words of Jesus. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? You know, when we think about these things, we realize that we have a lot to learn. And Job has a lot more to learn, and he needs to learn about the power of the enemy. And he will begin to understand more about the majesty of God, the magnitude of the task in hand, and the extent of things that he didn't appreciate were happening, things that were beyond his comprehension. You know, we can identify with Job, can't we, on these things. Job's heard about the behemoth. Now we will hear about the Leviathan. And the first thing that he will learn about the Leviathan is that it is beyond his control. That's the most important thing that he's going to learn. It's something that is way beyond his control. So let's just look at the verses uh, 1 through to 11 of Job 41. And I've titled this, Can you? Will you? Verse 1. Can you pull in Leviathan with a fish hook or tie down its tongue with a rope? Can you put a cord through its nose or pierce its jaw with a hook? You see, these are ways to restrain a dangerous animal. But this animal is one you cannot restrain. Certainly not by any human means that you have at your disposal. What God is going to speak about is something that is beyond Job's control and our control. Then verse 3 and 4 Will it keep begging you for mercy? Will it speak to you with gentle words? Will it make an agreement with you for you to take it as your slave for life? In other words, God's saying, look, Job, do you think you can bargain with it so that it will do what you want it to do, that it will be your will that's happening and not their will? Verse 5, can you make a pet of it like a bird or put it on a leash? For the young women in your house, this is 
if you like, this is a sarcastic comment. He's saying, look, can you control it like you would a little dog? A little dog that you could safely take home, leave with your children as you would a pet. And know that they are secure when it's there with them. And in verse 6, will traders barter for it? Will they divide it up among the merchants? In other words, can it be a thing of value, value to you? So valuable that you hope to get a greater return from it than you have given to it. Verse 7. Can you fill its hide with harpoons or its head with fishing spears? In other words, can anything that you have hope to control it, or better still, destroy it? And these words go on from God as he reveals the absurdity of Job being able to do, of mankind being able to do anything to control this the Leviathan that he's going to introduce Job to. Let's just quickly read through verse 8 through to 11. If you lay a hand on it, will you remember the struggle and never do it again? Any hope of subduing it is false. The mere sight of it is overpowering. No one is fierce enough to rouse it. Who then is able to stand against me? Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under the heaven belongs to me. That is a very interesting phrase at the end of that. Everything under heaven belongs to me. This is a truth about God and God is revealing this truth. And he's revealing to Job and to us the extent of the authority that he has. He's saying, if you can't stand and face this fearful thing... How can you expect to stand against me? Even this fearful thing is under my control and my authority. You know, these are powerful words. The Lord will not hold back the truth of how dangerous this thing is. In fact, he wants us to know that we need to fear it. And by knowing the strength of the enemy, we will know how superior the Lord's strength is in comparison. Let's just take a few moments out, a little bit of time to consider these things and the subject of the behemoth and the Leviathan. Unlike the behemoth that is only mentioned here in the book of Job, The Leviathan is mentioned a number of times in Scripture. Now, both are illustrations of the evil that exists and that is sometimes described to us in different ways. Such as in 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Peter says this, Be alert and sober mind. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, he's not saying the devil is... A lion, a roaring lion. He's using that illustration so that we might be fearful of who Satan is. He does prowl around. 
and it is like a roaring lion. And he's looking for someone to devour. This isn't to tear us to pieces and eat us physically. It is to destroy us. Matthew seven fifteen. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Well, they're not literal wolves. And they don't literally walk around in sheep's clothing. But the illustration brings home to us the truth of who they are as they hide behind other things. And underneath, they are dangerous. Although at the outside, they look quite peaceful. Revelation 20, uh, verse 2. I'm just going to read one verse from that. But in Revelation, we get a lot of this illustration, a lot of this um descriptive uh, language verse 2 of Revelation 20 the dragon that ancient snake you know this is language that will help us understand things that are beyond our imagination as we said last week I want you to know how big something is I I will use something that you are familiar with to help you understand what I'm saying. For example, we said last week, my shed is as big as a bus. Now you know how big a bus is. And that is all you need to know about the bus in order to know how big my shed is. So we come back to the Leviathan here in the book of Job. You know, when Job was in the midst of his pain and despair, he cursed the day of his birth. He saw it as being an evil day, a day that would have been better if it had never happened. And this is what he said. You can read this in Job chapter 3, verse 8. You might remember it. He said, May those who curse days curse that day, those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. What's he saying? Leviathan, he's talking about those who would wake up evil. So Job was familiar with this expression that was used to describe evil in the form of of, of an animal, actually a sea creature. We can go to the Psalms that were written long after Job lived. But they also spoke about the Leviathan in Psalm 104. We read this, verse 24 to 26. How many are the works? How many are your works? Lord, in wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things, both large and small. There the ships go to and fro. And Leviathan, which you formed to frolic there. So the psalmist here As a picture of the Leviathan, as a a sea creature, a creature who is at home in the sea. That is its playground. Now, throughout Scripture, the sea has been used to describe a place of danger where evil lurks. So listen to what the psalmist says here in Psalm 74, and this is verse 12 through to 14. It was you who split open the sea by your power. You broke the heads of the monsters in the waters. It was you who crushed the heads of Leviathan and gave it as food to the creatures of the desert. See, the Leviathan, evil, 
represented as a sea monster that needs to be dealt with. And this brings us to Isaiah, because Isaiah mentioned it as well. Listen to what Isaiah said. And you can read this in Isaiah 27, verse 1. In that day, the Lord will punish with his sword, his fierce, great and powerful sword, Leviathan, the gliding serpent, Leviathan, the coiling serpent. He will slay the monster of the sea. What we need to know is that it is evil and that it needs to be destroyed. Okay, many people get led along that track to try to identify what the Leviathan is. Is it a shark? Is it a crocodile? Could be a giant squid or even a hippopotamus. As we go through this passage, you will conclude that it doesn't fit the description of any creature that we know of. The reason is that the Leviathan is not the subject. The subject is what or who the Leviathan represents. So, let's continue on our our journey of discovery with Job. As we have the privilege of listening in on the conversation between two, two who are poles apart in every way, but who are united by the love that they have for each other. One, a saved sinner who is confused by the difficult circumstances in his life. And the other is that, that and this is the name used here, the, the name that the Jewish people would not pronounce, Yahweh. This is God. God who is, I am. The mighty, powerful God. But God who comes to Job as Job's Abba Father. Romans 8.15 The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And you know, like a good father, he will tell Job of things that will strike fear into his heart. And quite rightly so. We're meant to feel fear. You know, I was meant to feel fear when my dad told me what would happen if I poked a screwdriver into a live socket. I was meant to feel fear when he told me that if I ran across the road without looking that I might wind up like a squashed hedgehog. And of course you were afraid. And that fear was to your benefit. And that fear was given to you by your dad because he cared for you. Let's go back to Job 41. We'll just have a look at verse 12 through to 14. And I've headed this part. Who can control the Leviathan? And the Lord says, hmm, I can. Verse 12. I will not fail to speak of Leviathan's limbs, its strength and its graceful form. Who can strip off its outer coat? Who can penetrate its double coat of armour? 
who dares open the doors of its mouth, ringed about with fearsome teeth. What can we take from these verses? Well, we can take this. The truth can be a fearful thing to face. I think we all know that. You lose your job. You lose your health. You lose a loved one. These are times when we need to face the truth. When we're told the truth, it would be wrong to hide the truth or to deny the truth. And it would be totally wrong to try to twist the truth into something that it isn't in order that it will fit in how we want things to be. And the Lord is right in alerting Job to the dangers of this world. And as he does this, he will remind Job that there is hope and the hope for the believer is in the end result. The Lord is saying that he is in control, that he can't face the most destructive parts of this beast that he is speaking about. He can remove its defences, he can destroy it, and he can secure the victory, a victory that's already been won, even though the battle still rages. And he will do it his way. A way that we, like Job, might not understand. And we must be faithful enough to say, your will, not mine, be done on earth as it is in heaven. For us, like Job, the fight goes on. Sometimes the fight is the fight within. The fight between the old and the new nature. This is a fight that we as Christians face. But sometimes the fight is against the present evil that is in this fallen, sinful world in which we are called to live. This takes us again to a verse that I'm sure you are well familiar with, Ephesians 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Let's stop for a moment. You know, this is the part that we do understand to some degree. But then it goes on to reveal to us the parts that we maybe don't fully understand. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The Lord can teach us a lot from the life of Job. I want to just draw things to a close this evening. Before I do, I just want to remind you of a hymn by uh, S. Bering Gould. You probably know this as well. Onward Christian soldiers marching us to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe, forward into battle. See his banner go. All the sign of triumph, at the sign of triumph, Satan's host does flee. On then, Christian soldier, on to victory. Hell's foundations quiver at the shout of praise, brothers, Lift your voices, loud your anthems raise. Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided. All one body we. One in hope and doctrine, one in charity. 
Onward then, ye people, join our happy throng, blend with ours your voices in the triumph song. Glory, Lord and honour, unto Christ the King. This through countless ages men and angels sing. And then we have the, the chorus that goes between these verses. Onward, Christian soldiers marching us to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. You know, many of war's casualties become its heroes. Shall we pray? What I like to do actually is to, as we pray together, I just want to read some words from Romans chapter 11 and let's say them together as a prayer as we close this evening. Romans 11 verse 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things, and to him be glory for ever. Amen. Amen.